0: What up America? Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb show broadcast live every day from sunny Southern California. Welcome. Welcome in. Got a great show for you. Uh, This show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, which will host, I think, the biggest game in, in the National Football League this weekend. The greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race and competition It is always on, whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch. The biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Okay, so um, yesterday we had the he said, she said from the Antonio Brown thing. The first thing is this. Do we really care? I think the answer is in the short term, yes. And maybe in the very, very long term, yes, sort of. But I'm not sure we should. I'll get to that in a second. First, um, let's kind of take you through the succession of events. After the game, Bruce Arians was very, very vague about whatever was said. Antonio Brown had his Uber driver posted a video, and then of course he shows up at the Nets game yesterday through his attorney. He released a statement basically saying, "Hey, look, I had a bad ankle. Everybody knew I had a bad ankle." I was too hurt to go in the game. Bruce Arians told me to go in the game. When I said I wouldn't go in the game, he gave me the cut sign like I'm cut. And so, you know, I left the field. That's, that's the Antonio Brown angle to it. Here's Bruce Arians with reporters today.
2: We let Antonio go today just to clear you up on some things that happened at no point in time during that game did he or doctor about his ankle. He never went through. That's the normal protocol. You go through protocols during games. I was never notified of it. So obviously that was a, the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. I, he was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. Got that calmed down players took care of that it started again on the sideline we called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game he refused to go in the game that's when i looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach i then went back approached him about what was going on Uh, i ain't playing what's going on i ain't getting the ball that's when i said you're done get the f out of here that's the end of it we're working on carolina that's the end of the story hopefully it ends today
0: so I, I think what, what happened with Antonio Brown is kind of a classic case of discovery. You guys didn't know how to – and I've, I've said this before in regards to the NFL owners, right? The NFL owners settled lawsuits, concussion lawsuit. They settled the, the lawsuit with the St. Louis Rams. And the reason you, you settle these lawsuits, even if you're not admitting guilt, because you want to avoid discovery. Discovery is when all other sorts of stuff come out. Right. The reason the NFL owners don't want it is because now all of a sudden, all their emails, all their cell phones, any texts they have to and emails they have to other owners about any variety of topics <coughs> or even not topics they become part of the, the, the public investigation. That, that's the way it, that's the way it works. They become evidence through discovery and Antonio Brown had, he simply refused to go in the game been cut from the team you know you're done and then gone and sulked on the bench or even cheered for his teammates as you're supposed to do right hey man you're not feeling right or whatever you're not getting the ball at least cheer for your teammates instead he parades all around after the game if you remember Bruce Arians Tom Brady they they all took the high road Tom Brady even basically put out a plea plea to help and kind of likened it to some sort of mental health issue The truth is that Antonio Brown's exactly who you think he is. He is. He's that super arrogant, super selfish, wide receiver who it's about him. And when he wasn't getting the ball, his ankle ain't good. If he's getting the ball, all of a sudden his ankle's fine. That's the reality to it. And, and I'm sure Arians and Arians didn't just cut him because of that. He cut him because of the vax card. He cut cut him because of some of the other nonsense, like all of that, all of that baggage we talked about brings in a bias Bias against him. And how many one last chances can you get with a football team? Right? We're trying to win a game and you're worried about how many times you get the football. You won't go in because you're not getting the ball. He provide it's and, and Antonio. It would have gone away. Would have gone away. Even with Antonio Brown going crazy, he would have had sympathy from people had he simply embraced the idea that yeah, maybe mentally he wasn't in the right space. AB uh, texted a, an exchange with Arians from the weekend on social media today, laying out that AB informed him that he was injured and would try and play on Sunday. Antonio Brown also posted a long statement with his side of the story, blaming Arians now the team handled his injury. Even with Bruce Arians giving us context, the truth is, I don't care. I, I don't even care. I don't even care that he was throwing a fit about not getting the ball, which obviously makes a whole hell of a lot more sense as to why they wanted to cut him, get rid of him because he wasn't part of the team. I, I get all of that. But even if Bruiserians told him to go in and even if it wasn't about getting the football and they told him, you're done, you know what you don't do? I mean, you don't do what he did. And there, there does come a point where every coach has had enough. And when you, when you make it out of the Patriots after what happened with the Patriots and then how he tried to burn that place down when he left, if you remember, he called out the owner and then begged for his way back. That wasn't happening. Remember how he left Pittsburgh, how he left Oakland. Now how he leaves Tampa is out of homes. And what's fascinating is the guy who, one of the guys who wants to replace him is Terrell Owens. And whatever your vision of T.O. is, The reality is, look at how it ended at every spot he went to. You know? It ended at every spot he went to. Didn't end well. You know, at Buffalo, do you guys remember when T.O. went to Buffalo? They were waiting for him at the airport. There was like a parade for Terrell Owens in his mid-30s to go there. Couldn't play anymore, didn't catch nearly as often, but more than anything, remember T.O. was revered in Philadelphia, but when it went bad, that's when he's doing sit ups and curls in the driveway. How it ended, terrible. How it ended in Dallas, bad. How it ended, he was in Cincy, in Buffalo, bad, right? So the, the irony to it is no one's ever said with Antonio Brown, it's about talent. It's not. He's not as talented as he used to be, but he's still plenty of talent, playing talented to get open and catch the football in the NFL. It was never about talent, even at the end, after he suffered the ACL late in T.O.'s career. Couldn't get along with people. Couldn't stand to play for other people. And uh, that makes Bruce Arians making complete sense of it. You know? He was non-confrontational at halftime over him getting the football. That's a Tom Brady thing, obviously. I also think that... To any of you who were very concerned about Antonio Brown's mental health, you, you have every right to be concerned. Just know that if Antonio Brown's got a screw loose, he's had a screw loose for a long time. I, I don't think it was, it was one hit by Vontez Perfect that suddenly made him change into this guy. Right. Reputable guys don't napalm the season. with. You remember how it ended with the Steelers? They were getting ready for a one game and they win and they're in the playoffs and he no-showed at practice and then wanted to show up for the game. And they were like, thanks, but no thanks. That's how it ended. Remember how it ended in in Oakland? He didn't want to wear the league-approved helmet. He burned his feet. Then he did everything in his power to get out of Oakland. You know, Then he gets to New England and every day there's a new story about something that he had done in the past. Not while in New England. And then when he gets cut, he calls out the owner for his own misgivings in the massage parlor in South, in South Beach. And now we see how it ends with, with Tampa. Look how, how it ends. Guys don't get jobs, not because of what it takes to hire them. Guys don't get jobs sometimes because of what it's like when you fire them.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, I want to play two pieces of sound for you. Doug Gottlieb Show, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports, the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21 present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Troy Aikman had this to say on Adam Schefter's podcast.
1: Dallas Cowboys to winning or not winning a Super Bowl.
3: Well, I think they've got a really good team. They haven't played great. They played great against Washington. Washington, you know, didn't have much that particular night, but I think they're a really talented team. I don't think there is a real front runner in the NFC. I know a lot of people would say Green Bay, but I've covered a lot of Packers games and they played some pretty average football teams and barely got out of those games with <laughs> a win. I think Aaron Rodgers, of course, if he's not their quarterback, they lose a lot more of those games. But I think it is wide open in the NFC. And so even regardless of whatever you think of the way that Dallas has played here over the last six weeks, I think you could say the same things about Arizona, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, even the Green Bay Packers. So I think Dallas, this team has a good feel. I think Mike McCarthy's done a good job. But I think Dak Prescott really kind of sets the tone They've got playmakers on defense. I think that this is as good a year for them to go and win it all as as they've had.
0: Um, I would agree with every statement he made with, but there's two parts he left out. You ready for him? Okay, one, they have to go through Green Bay. And if two teams are equal and one team plays in a dome, and the other team is used to playing at home in the frozen tundra. <coughs> who, do you, who do you think it's going to benefit? It, granted, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers found a way to win that game last year in uh, very frigid conditions. Right? Now, Brady was terrible in the second half and the Packers came storming back, but Tampa won the game straight up. Right? So it can be done. The other part to it is because they're the only team that has the bye... And they'll have essentially three weeks off. They should be the healthiest team in football. And unlike some other teams, not only are they healthy and going to get healthier, but I don't believe and I'm I'm trying to think of the Packers injuries and and, uh, you know, they, they don't have I don't think they've lost anybody of crazy importance for the year. right? Like Aaron Jones got hurt, but he's been back. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has the toe. He's been playing. Um, Josh Myers, their center, is slated to return from IR. All right. um, Elg- Elginton Jenkins is coming back off of COVID. That's their that's their starting guard. David Bakhtiari okay, is slowly but surely getting back. Remember, he hadn't even hardly played. He hadn't played, I don't believe, coming off of a, a torn ACL. That's their starting left tackle. So they're going to be back fully healthy, which they hadn't been, you know. And of course, you know, they lost Jair, Jair Alexander, hadn't played one. He got hurt. Then he came back and he got COVID. That's why he didn't play this past weekend. They're, it's not just that they're, they're going to have home field advantage. They're not going to have play the first week, but they've been a little bit banged up and they're going to be fully healthy for whenever... Um, uh, you know, for whenever or for wh- for whoever they do play. I-, I heard this. This was really good. Uh, Dean Pease, of course, has been a defensive coordinator. He's been uh, Dean Pease has been You you look at him and you're like, man, he's 72 years old. He's probably spent his life in the NFL. And I thought this was a fascinating kind of rant about coaches today and about analytics. Take a listen.
1: I think the younger generation of coaches feel a little entitled.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think they're spoiled. I think they hey go work in a high school, go work in a Division three school where you got to mow the grass, or you got to align the field, you got to do all those things, and you'll appreciate what you have when you have it instead of being 25 years old and wondering why I'm not a coordinator already in the NFL. Yeah. Okay, I went to the NFL at 55 years old. I was a high school coach. I was a Division Three coach. I was in the MAC as a coach. I didn't go to, to New England until I was 55 years old, and so I felt like I paid my dues. and And I feel like it made me a better coach, made me a better teacher. I was a school teacher. I learned how to teach, not just stand up. I look at guys now; and they can't stand up in front of the room and talk to people. Yeah, they can't. Got to get on the computer. Everything's computerized. All that stuff. It's still a people's game. Players want to talk to you. They want to hear from you. They, it's not that. I still do everything in writing. I don't do. I do all my own breakdowns. I don't ask some quality control guy to do it. Everybody gets on a computer for two years and thinks they ought to be a coach. It's not Madden football. It has to deal with people. It's like all the analytics that everybody talks about this and that. And you should do this. You should do that. The computer told you that. When did the computer know what the weather was? Whether it was raining. Whether the wind was blowing. Whether the, you were playing good on defense. Okay, they say, well, it's a two-point. It's a two-point game. Should you go for it on fourth down? Well, I don't know. Is the score forty-two to forty or six to three? You know, I, I don't. It makes a difference if you're playing great defense and maybe not. they're playing great defense. Don't. If they're playing lousy defense, yes. Computer doesn't tell you that. So it's kind of that way to me in coaching, players want to be coached. They do, they do, all of them want to be coached. They want to be good, they want to be coached. They want to be told what to do and how to do it and correct them and talk to them and be honest with them. And I just don't feel in this generation, sometimes of coaches that they have very good personal relationships with players. I love my players. I've always loved my players. Everybody asks me, who's your favorite player? I go, all of them. Yeah. All of them. There, anybody that played for me is my favorite player. So, to me, that's what you learn over the course of 48 seasons. That's,
0: that's pretty good stuff. Uh, there was some analytics stuff. There's this shot at younger coaches. I actually, I, I disagree with them on why did Antonio Brown go to the ankle after after all of this, right? And then of course he doesn't want to have his ankle examined by an outside party. Andrew Brandt joins us. Of course, um, he's worked in the league. He covers the league. He's a former Packers team executive columnist for sports illustrated host of the business of sports podcast. Am I wrong? But the same guy who asked for a million dollars in bonuses that he wasn't going to achieve was the same guy who wants to say he got cut because of his ankle, because if his ankle's bad, does he get more money? Is that, is that, Am I, do I have am I right in any way there?
4: <laughs> yeah. Good afternoon, Doug. This guy. Uh, let me just say right away, uh, I don't want to minimize this idea of mental health and hope he gets well and all that. But are people really fooled by this? Like, there's a thousands of people listening right now who have that boyfriend or girlfriend or business associate or friend or niece or cousin who they think, yeah, one day he's gonna, it's going to be different. He or she's going to be different. It's going to change. No, they don't. They don't change. Antonio Brown, it's, it's, this is years of consistently untoward behavior. And as a front office executive for 10 years, I'm like, are you serious? Come to me and ask for a guarantee of your bonuses? No. it's not how it works. That's not how it works. And everything coming out of his mouth or his people, his texts, his Instagram, I just, come on. And, you know, you I'm sure you've talked about this. What an appreciation we are now having for Mike Tomlin all those years. Now, the Raiders can only tolerate him for three months, the Patriots for seven days, and here are the Bucks on and off for a year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's remarkable. Um, do you think he finds another gig in the NFL?
4: I don't. But, yes, and I've been proven wrong before with these kind of things. I can't see a team. I mean, you and I talked about trading for Deshaun Watson, totally different circumstances. But I don't see a team in God's green earth that can take
0: that on right now
4: or – even the start of next season. Now we get into the middle of next season and desperation maybe, but nothing before that.
0: Uh, All right, let's get into the Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah. So, I mean, like, look, I didn't take it as I didn't, and I didn't to be, to be completely candid. I haven't heard the entire hub deal, but I did hear we, we played the cut of it. And, and honestly, like coward kind of agreed with it without agreeing with it. If he didn't, say he's the basically the, the worst guy in the NFL, I, I, I took that as how he's treated the Packers and the positions that he's put the Packers in. Okay, If we take out the, the personal aspect to it, but the idea that, look, he basically hijacked the draft. The entire offseason with Green Bay was about him. And even if you thought he was definitely coming back, he, he, let, he, he left it out there in the wind. Because he wasn't back and ready, they looked terrible week one of the season. Because he wasn't vaccinated, he missed the Kansas City game. They could have kept him from home field advantage. Like, is there at least an argument to be made that even though his play has been mostly spectacular, there's been some other things that some of those other things that he's done have hurt his team, and you're supposed to be the most valuable player. You're supposed to only be helping your team.
4: A couple of things. You know, first of all, just a personal note. Hub Arkish had me on his show on 670 uh, score in Chicago last week, and we talked about Aaron Rodgers, and none of this came up. Yeah, you know, none of this. So I just think that's interesting. And then I don't know, Doug. I mean, yeah, I'm obviously showing some bias because I, I know him. We drafted him. I'm a fan. But, you know, the argument you're making, you know, T.J. Watt may very well get Defensive Player of the Year. TJ Watt didn't practice in training camp, right? Mm -hmm. He was actually in training camp, but holding out, holding in, if you will, until he got the new contract, which he got the last week of training camp. Is that is that worse than, or better, or worse? I mean, than what Aaron did, which is basically have some drama in the off season, which he didn't. He made it to camp first day.
0: I mean, he he did. He I mean he he went through every star player who the Packers had released and basically said Brian Gunnkens has no bedside manner and they've made mistakes, And they, right? I mean, he, yes, it, it's, I would, and now look, he's done far more for the organization than TJ has done for the Steelers, but it, it's a, you would agree, it's a far different temperature in the room yeah. than what Aaron Rodgers I guess, and TJ Watt.
4: I guess what I pointed out about what Hub said is that this sort of peels back the curtain, right? It brings back, What we're dealing with with awards, with honors, and for that matter, for Hall of Fame—yeah, egos—it's it's it's subjective, and we are human. You are human beings with inherent biases, and I think one day, like the way we're told to buy things, or date, or do everything else, this will be an algorithm. I think one day, honors, awards, Hall of Fame, MVP will be an algorithm analytically based completely but we're nowhere near that day and and harvard has biases now he said it out loud how many other voters don't talk about it now i guess i don't you know this better than i do i mean i guess you can find out who didn't vote for for who or those kind of things but the reasons behind it we never hear about those things
0: it's 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 interesting that's this is this is what I said. All of that was what I said yesterday. The guys are sitting yeah. there nodding their head because I said, like, look, it's one of the reasons you have 50 voters, because everybody kind of has their biases. And ultimately, you know, kind of cream rises to the, the top. It's why you have the one through five instead of just voting for one person sort of thing is ultimately you pull the room and the majority does rule and you get the, close to the right decision. Most times, not all that, not, not all the time. Um, And so it it does make sense. And yes, everybody does bring in their bias or the team they watch, the team they cover, the place they live or somebody who they liked along the way, which is why I I wouldn't pull his vote. I would, if you're going to if you pull his vote, it's because he said it out loud and, he, right. and they told him not to say who you're voting for. That, that's legitimate. But if it's for his whatever his logic is, unless they, if they don't give him any ground rules for who he has to who he can vote for and who he shouldn't vote for. It's it's up to his own discretion. And that's that's why I again, I, I think there's some flaw in that logic, a lot of flaw in the logic. But I don't think that that he's the only guy who's taking in his personal biases into who he's voting for.
4: Yeah, I mean I I couldn't believe kind of what the process of Hall of Fame. I you know, I was with Peter King at Sports Illustrated many years. I said, Peter, tell me about it. And it's like the guy from Kansas City talks about this former chief, and the guy from Tampa talks about this former buck, and this guy from Buffalo talks about this former bill. And I'm like, Well, okay. Wouldn't it be better if the guy from Kansas City talked about the bill and the guy from Buffalo talked about the Bengal and he's like and it's just, to me, it's like, okay, everyone's putting forth their hometown guy. That's how it happens? I mean, it just all seems kind of weird to me.
0: Speaking of the business of sports, um, how the Browns get out of paying Baker Mayfield $20 million? Can they move that contract?
4: <laughs> well, that's the way, right? Putting it off on someone else, and maybe that someone else says, hey, we'll take him, but he's got to agree to a pay cut. I mean, just from what I read today about these comments, and maybe they're true or maybe they're not true, he's not going to take a pay cut to stay in Cleveland. Uh, he's going to either want to be out of Cleveland or make them pay the full boat of $18 million. So, you know, on the bigger picture, Doug, the Browns' front office has to be wiping their brow like few because there was, I thought, a pretty good chance they would give him the big money before the start of the season, a la Josh Allen, which could have meant, you know, $60 guarantees. guaranteed. Can you imagine
0: they're they stuck with that contract? Now, my, my yeah. prediction, and these guys can tell you, my prediction was he would be the first guy where if they got a long-term deal, it would be like a, like a middle class. It would be in the 20s. Um, now, I, I, even that would feel like a waste of money. At some point, there'll be somebody. And I'm interested to see what the, the, what, uh, the Baltimore does with Lamar. Yeah,
4: same thing. Because Lamar
0: did not have a great year. He's not, not going to get faster as he gets older. He's going to get slower. And, and Huntley is a, a bargain option. Now, again, doesn't mean that Huntley becomes the guy and they jettison Lamar. But if you right. say, hey, am I going to pay Lamar $40 million a year for the next three years when I don't know if he'll be healthy and I don't know, you know if he's peaked? I think it's a really good—that one, now he's going to become the interesting guy.
4: Yeah, well, the Baker and Lamar things, I thought a couple things. One, that teams aren't completely sold. But I keep getting back to last year, right? We saw the two guys, the most dead money in the history of the NFL, got deals as soon as they could after their third years. And they were both gone, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. And I can't help but believe that these have become cautionary tales. Josh Allen, no-brainer. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, huh. But look what they did with Jared Goff and Wentz, huh? Well, we'll wait. What's the downside of waiting? The market goes up? Okay. But those were front office decisions that basically did not cement those quarterbacks to those franchises, which are the biggest decisions you can make as a front office in football. So, they have the option here. That's what everyone should know. I mean, those players aren't going anywhere. They are not free agents. But what they do next is a big question.
0: Andrew Brandt, you, you got uh, follow him on uh, social media. He hosts the Business of Sports podcast. Of course, uh, he also has the Sunday 7 newsletter. And obviously no Thursday night game, but he was on Twitch on Thursday Night Football. It's just really interesting to hear a guy who's been in so many of those meetings and What's what What he's seeing when he watches those NFL games. Andrew, great to catch up with you. Happy New Year to you. We'll talk to you as we get ready for the playoffs.
4: Same to you, Doug.
0: Talk to you.
1: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports
0: Radio. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So the Wizards were taking on the Rockets last night. And... um uh Glenn Consor is a broadcaster for the uh, for the Wizards uh, home games, for the Wizards Network, really. Um, and he decided to use this analogy on the call of the game when Kevin Porter Jr., a star guard for the Rockets, made a bucket.
1: What a well-designed play. And um, you've got to give credit. Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger right
0: at the right time. Boy, that one stung. So... <laughs> so, um, okay, so you listen to it, you're like, okay, if you just listen to the sports context of it, you're like, okay, shot the ball, pulled the trigger, got it, got it, got it, right? He, he, here's the problem. Um, so there's there was a Kevin Porter that played in the NBA, I believe for the Washington Bullets, who Concer thought Kevin Porter Jr. was the son of. The issue is, his dad, who's deceased, Kevin Porter Sr., was charged with first-degree murder and the shooting death in, of a 14-year-old girl in 1993. He, he claimed he accidentally pulled the trigger, which the witness later backed up. He spent more than four years behind bars as a result of the incident, and then he was shot five times in some sort of altercation in 2004. So Kevin Porter Sr. had a tough go of it, and then he died. We're, we're talking about... Mm, 18 years ago and Kevin Porter jr. His son who's from the Seattle area is a guy who's, he's had issues throughout his basketball career. He is super talented, just had an issue with John Lucas. And there's lots of people who know his stories. Like, look, he had a tough upbringing. Like this is like kind of fits the psychological profile. Did Jason, did you see what LeBron James uh, tweeted about, about consort. Did, did, did you see that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for people who follow, I mean, LeBron James has 50 million followers, 50 million. LeBron James said, Oh, he thought this was cool. Huh? Nah, we ain't going for this. This is LeBron on Twitter taking this story. Okay. How insensitive can you be to say something like this? Beat it, man. I pray for you, but there's no place in our beautiful game for you. Okay, uh, I believe I believe concert then apologized. Right? We have the sound of that. We did not have the sound. He tweeted it out. Okay. You want me to read that? That'd be great.
1: Uh, please allow me to take this opportunity to sincerely apologize to Kevin Porter Jr., his family, and the Rockets organization for my comments I made. I mistakenly thought that Kevin was the son of former Washington player Kevin Porter and was unaware that the words I chose to describe in this game-winning shot would be in any way hurtful or insensitive. I reached out to Kevin to personally apologize and hope to be able to talk with him soon.
0: I mean, I, I cannot tell you how upset, like, LeBron James bring uh, like, do we think for any second that he was had this in his back pocket and he wanted to use it to be clever? It is such an unfortunate <laughs> coincidence. I mean, I, it is real. I mean, you know, really that dude clearly either saw a black cat or walked under a ladder while holding a black cat, right? Of all the things, um, of all the things to do, to make the mistakes to make, but I mean, you'd have to make a really big leap. And look, this is this is the issue. A lot of times, you know, sometimes in your prep. You just don't even know. You just like don't double check. You just assume. Like, yeah, he's Kevin Porter. Why would he go by Kevin Porter Jr. if he wasn't Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter Senior's son? And that's no, no. You know, I, I, I think, I think like with Le- LeBron James, what he's doing like, how'd you like to be this? All he was trying to do is call a game for the Wizards. There's no place in this game for you. Like, really? Where was LeBron tweeting about Kevin Porter Jr. throwing something? um at at John Lucas where where was that there's no place in your game for challenging John Lucas a guy who is a former number one overall pick you know has been a head coach in the league has helped easily more than 100 NBA players get back on their feet I mean is is one of the most respected old heads in the NBA where was LeBron then No place in the game for Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter Jr.'s second time he's thrown something at somebody in a locker room. Happened in Cleveland when he got, and they got rid of him. Yeah, now now it it happens here in in Houston. And, and, you know, it's like, look, we all, I mean, no one wants the, the worst part of their parents' lives or their own lives to be brought pointed out on broadcast TV, but, like, do you, do we really think there was malice there, Buyer? Can
2: you see a way in which there was malice? And I don't think and, that there was malice. The only play, the blame that I think you could place on Consor is that uh, he didn't do his prep work. Correct. As as an analyst, and not only that, if it was, if it was someone within the organization or within you know a former player within the organization of the games that he called, you would have thought that at some point maybe there would have been a. Point where that was brought up, in, but he but he, he, he
0: covers games for the Wizards, not for
2: the Rockets. Correct, so correct. But that, twice no, yes, but but just the point of oh, that's if that was the case, that's Kevin Porter's kid, or that's you know like that sort of thing. That was so it's it's only negligence on being an analyst. I don't think that there was malice uh, at all in it. Do you think he'll keep his job? Um, yes i don't think that he will i think that they will take him off some broadcasts um but uh i don't think that he will be fired i mean they could say you know that could be the reason why he you know the why he would lose his job is is the the error in preparation not only with just the unfortunate scenario i mean we it's it, it is it's, as jason said the whole issue of I mean to to have all of those things happen, and you know, with Kevin Border being a player in the Wizards organization a long time ago, and they were the Bullets, and to have that scenario, yeah, it's it's crazy. But, I I can tell you,
0: I, I'll give you a perfect example. I've I've made a less egregious but a similar mistake. Um, do you remember when ESPN used to have the twenty four hours of college basketball? Yes. Okay. So Andy Katz and I one time we got to do a game at Ryder, okay, and this is back. Tommy Dempsey was the coach. Ryder was pretty good back then, and they played like it's. I'm going to say it's six in the morning, literally a six a.m. game. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was very very early in the morning, and they had Jason Thompson on the team, um, and. Jason Thompson I believe and then they had Ryan Thompson on the team as well and they weren't brothers they weren't related and I mistakenly said that they were his passes to his brother then we went to break and Katz is like it's not his brother I was like I just I think I assumed I don't know if I looked Mm -hmm. at my notes or I just and I was the problem was for that game is the only basketball game at the time I'd done play by play they're like you do play by play and Katz will do color because Katz normally did sideline (coughs) so I was a little out of my element and I would I would say it was because of a lack of preparation, to be totally honest. And that's what happened to me. And so Jason Thompson, Jason Thompson had finished, had uh, had graduated and I, he might even been at the game. And I, I want to say and uh, I mistakenly said something along the lines of, like, yeah, it's his, there's his brother, you know, and that was bad. And you just try and like you make mistakes. Especially when now it should be easier in the NBA because it's not like you have to prepare for the Wizards when you do the Wizards every night. You're just preparing for one team. But yes, it's a mistake in preparation. My guess would be if they let him go, it will be, you know, it's one of those if he's on a yearly contract, I doubt he's back next year. That that's what LeBron like I don't think LeBron understands his influence. Nobody in the real world is really all that bothered because most people are like, ah, that just sucks, dude. You just made a mistake. But when LeBron's got 50 million followers, he makes you out to be, you know, some guy who's totally insensitive towards something that, I mean, do you really think that if his dad mistakenly killed a 14 year old girl, he's going to bring it up when the son hits a game winning jump shot? Like really? So I think LeBron, he has way too much influence, but I think his influence, if he has a year left, He probably survives, maybe doesn't get another contract of that. If he's on a year to year, I bet he's done. Bet he's done.